0: Hey there, friend, I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Chasers. I'm your host, Susan Riley. I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, And before we begin, I just have one important message to share before we dive into today's topic. And that is if you have not already registered for our upcoming summer arts integration and STEAM conference, I highly suggest you do so because registration is closing in about one week. If you're listening to this, the day that the the podcast launches, if you're not, if you're listening to it a day or so later, we are closing registration on July 13th, 2021. You do not want to miss this, uh, conversations with Julie Andrews, Laura Benanti, Over 12 different, 13 different sessions, hands on, that are going to be happening to really inspire you and encourage creative connections in your classroom for this upcoming year. I'm telling you, who couldn't use a spoonful of sugar right now, right? So if you have not already registered, please head over to artsintegrationconference.com right now. Pause this episode, go do it, and then come on back as we talk about creative boundaries today. So now when you think of creativity, that word creativity, what comes to mind? Is it a person who's like somewhat frazzled, like their hair's askew and their clothes are covered in paint, or maybe they haven't slept in days because they're so caught up in their craft. Or maybe it's somebody who bounces from idea to idea like a hummingbird, but never makes progress on any one thing, right? The reality is, that some of the world's most creative people have very structured boundaries for their work. So in today's episode, we're gonna dive into ways that boundaries can actually help your creative spirit thrive. Now in 2019, the Harvard Business Review published a result of a study of 146 individuals, teams and organizations and found that all of them benefit from a healthy dose of constraints, right? So they specifically were looking at this in terms of businesses. How do businesses innovate either individual um, members of their team or as a team or as a full organization? But what they found is that in every group that they looked at, they the healthy doses of constraints were actually beneficial to their innovative design process. It's only when the constraints became too high that it stifled creativity and innovation. Right, which I think is really fascinating because if we if we're thinking about this idea of creativity, boundaries seems like an oxymoron, right? But what they're finding is that to provide those boundaries actually encourages more creativity and that when you, the only exception to that is when you put on too many boundaries. Even more fascinating is that when there are no boundaries placed on the creative process at all, people become complacent and go with the first idea that comes to mind. And again, I think this is fascinating because we've all been there, right? We've all been in that situation where we think we don't want to stifle creative thought from our students or maybe even from ourselves and so we just have something really open-ended and say go with it as if that's going to be helpful to their creative process and that actually deters the creative process by giving no boundaries now we have all seen this firsthand at some level i want you to think about a time when your back was against the wall like maybe you waited until the last minute on a project and suddenly you needed to get it done in 24 hours. (laughs) We've never done that, right? Shh, I won't tell. (laughs) Or perhaps you were in a group that had 30 minutes to plan a lesson, right? That needed to be be done tomorrow. And the ideas just magically seemed to flow. Like y'all stressed about it. But when you got into the room and you had those 30 minutes and you had to maximize that time, Wow. The ideas that came out of you as a group were just phenomenal. Have you ever, have you ever been in that kind of a situation? I have. And it is like, it's one of the most exciting things. It's almost like a high, right? Like, wow, we came up with all of that in 30 minutes. That's crazy. Of course, it's also exhausting. When, when you're in that level of high creativity, when you walk out of a room like that, you're like, your brain is fried. Um, But I think we've all had those experiences at some level. On the flip side, how many times have you been in a meeting or in a planning session with hours, right? To create something and everyone just kind of looked at each other without a clue as to where to start again. I think that so many leaders do this, that we don't want to stifle creativity. We don't want to um, really put a bias on anything. So we give people a large topic and then we say, okay, I don't want to pressure you. So here you have the whole day to work on this. And by the end of the day, you have gotten some things done on it, right? But it's not nearly done. It's not even close to being done. And when you look at it again with fresh eyes in the morning, you may hate everything that you created, right? But that's because there was no boundaries to be had. I believe that it's a false narrative that creativity happens spontaneously. Even when you think it's happening spontaneously, you've had time to process something. You've had some sort of boundary placed around it. You've been thinking about it in this Um, kind of rubber band effect. And then what seems like spontaneity is actually just a creative mindset process that's occurring. Many times creativity happens in a pressure cooker. And Ruth Byrne talked about this a little bit in our episode on math and art that I thought was just, it's, it's such a great golden nugget that we can hold on to, is that even if you think about this past year with the pandemic and how we've all had to shift really quickly, what happened was that we were in a pressure cooker. And because we had that pressure cooker, the creativity really burst to the surface. And so that's one thing I want you to take away about this idea of creative process and creativity in general. It is very difficult to live in creativity all the time. Because it does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of brain power. Um, It's emotionally invested. It's difficult to live there all the time. However, in spurts and starts and kind of moments, we can have these creative bursts that are almost genius level. And everybody can tap into that if we provide the right environments for it. Now, one of my favorite ways to get people creativity, creative ideas to the surface is the takeaway strategy. So I'm going to walk you through this process, and I want you to think about how you can use the process that I'm going to share in your unique situation. If you're a principal, how do you use this in professional development sessions? If you are a curriculum leader, how do you use this with your cre- your curriculum team in order to create something new? If you're a teacher, how do you do use this with your students when you're working on a new project with them, right? I want you to be thinking about your unique situation and how you're going to use this strategy that I'm going to share because I'm telling you, it works hundred percent of the time. I've never had this not work. So I'm hoping (laughs) that when I share this with you, it continues. It's 100% working all the time streak. So here's how we do this. Um, It's best if it's done in small groups of three to four, but it can also be done individually if necessary, if you want to provide that choice. Uh, But I like to do this in small groups of three to four in order to have a little bit of back and forth and to have a, a kind of debate between creative ideas. Now you can do this with any central idea idea or topic, but it should be broad enough to get multiple solutions. So for example, when I do this with teachers in professional development sessions, I often use the term creativity as our prompt because it's again something that's broad. Uh, there's not a right or a wrong answer to it, similar to like an essential question. If you, my teachers out there who are using essential questions, and you know to ask a really good essential question, there's not a yes or a no answer think about an idea or a topic um, that again doesn't have a yes or no answer doesn't have a rigid definition already could mean something different to multiple people so for example you could easily substitute in something like abstract Um, abstract could be a written abstract it could be abstract art it could be abstract in math there are many different ways to look at abstraction Or exploration, again, another way to look at something from a variety of angles. Transformation is another great word that you could use. Again, you're looking for something that has multiple uses, multiple definitions that people could tap into from lots of different perspectives. Okay, Um, so here's how it works with my example of creativity. Let's just assume that's the word we're going to use today. So step one is to ask the groups to take five minutes to define the term creativity. Encourage them to compare ideas, to talk about it, and then to create a definition that the whole group can agree upon. Now, when you're working in a group of three to four and you have a larger term like creativity, everybody's going to bring their flavor to it. Right. And so it gives this gives you enough time for everybody to share their idea of what that means and then work to put those ideas together in a cohesive way that makes sense and honors everyone's voice in there, Um, but it's not too long for people to kind of take their time and just kind of slowly move through it. Again, you have to have a little bit of a pressure. So five minutes is really the ideal amount of time for that. Step two then is once you get to that five minute mark, whether they're ready for it or not, you move into step two, because again, you want to make sure that time almost acts as your boundary or constraint here. Step two is to give each group a post-it note. Then explain they're going to have two minutes to narrow down their definition of creativity into a tweet of 140 characters or less, and that that must, that definition must fit on the post-it note. Now, yes, I know that Twitter has increased that and doubled it to 280 characters. Um, However, I like the 140 character limit because again, 280 characters, you could probably whittle down that original definition into 280 characters without a whole lot of stress. 140 characters causes you to really refine and think and be able to pull that larger definition into something so much more succinct. And then in order to be able to put it on a post-it note, that ensures that it's at 140 characters or less. Um, And again, this gets those creative juices flowing. It pushes it to the surface. Then once you've done that, step three for the final round, the group now has one minute, 60 seconds to transform their creativity's tweet definition into a work of art of some kind. So it could be in any domain, such as a dance, a rap, or a drawing, but it has to be completed and ready to perform or share in one minute or less. Now you might think that the results from this process on that step would be pretty basic, but I have to tell you, you'd be wrong because every single time that I've done this exercise with both students, at all grade levels. If you're working with the littles, of course you're not having them writing, you're having them draw, like if you're working with really littles, like kindergarten, you're gonna wanna modify this because they're not writing at that level to put it into 140 characters, right? Use judgment. Um, But in every group of students or adults that I have worked with, the results here are incredible because the boundaries of time and space offer offered just enough of a push to bring creative thinking processes to the forefront i once did this with a group um, in i can't remember if this was in nashville or in new jersey i worked with a group of teachers who one of the groups, their definition of creativity, they turned it into a flip book using the rest of the post-it notes that they had. (laughs) Everybody did a portion of the drawing and then they put it together and they did this flip book of what creativity meant um, based on their definition. You could do a dramatic reading. I've had people do a tableau, which is where it's a frozen picture in in their scene, right? And each person then tells what their portion of the creativity definition is the by giving them the ability to use whatever domain they like, but providing the constraint of one minute in order to have it done. It's incredible what the human mind will come up with. Now, That's just one example of a way to encourage practicing creativity in boundaries. You could do this activity with the word creativity and then bring it in as a regular strategy that you use as a way to review concepts that you've gone over or even introduce them um, to your students. There's so many ways that you can use the takeaway strategy to provide those constraints that also encourages creative thought and processes. But creative boundaries aren't just for activities in the classroom or even to prompt our own problem solving skills, right? Having healthy boundaries is also critical for our own mental health and well being. In an article from Fast Company, Jane Porter shares that boundaries are a state of being. Think about that for a second. Boundaries are a state of being knowing ourselves enough to recognize how we tap into our creative mindset is important because yes there are those people who stay up all night because and they're writing their next you know music composition feverishly because all of the ideas are just flowing and and they're they they're frazzled and and kind of moving from idea to idea that that is some people's reality But for some of us, it's the quiet time in the morning from 630 to 7 when there's nobody else up in the house and we have that space and time that set 30 30 minutes to really be creative. Right. Knowing ourselves and recognizing how we tap into our creative mindset is critical for us to be be able to do it. When you try on the creative process hat that somebody else uses that doesn't fit you, that's when frustration happens. Like when you're putting on, this is how I saw this person have a creative process. Like I witnessed this artist in their studio and they did this and I'm gonna try that. It's okay to try it. But if that's not your preferred method, if you're putting on that hat and you're like, this is what cre- the creative process should look like, that word should, um, and it doesn't fit for you, that's when people get frustrated and say, I'm just not creative. You have to know your process, your mindset. And so for some, that means turning off emails outside of set times throughout the day to limit distractions. And for others, that means only doing creative work at certain times, such as the early morning or the late evening, when they're in their best zone. I'll give you an example for me. I set aside specific days in the week that I call my creative cave, right? I let my team know that I'm in the creative cave on Monday from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And they should wait to contact me unless it's emergency until the late afternoon or the evening, right? Your creative cave might be 20 minutes in the morning or an hour on Saturday afternoons. But when you go into that cave, set up the boundaries so that you're not disturbed and you can go through your unique process. I actually just read a really interesting um, kind of post about this from Brene Brown, the the wonderful researcher who talks about shame quite a bit. Um, if you haven't seen her TED Talks, by the way, definitely go look them up. But Brene Brown. Oftentimes she's written many, many books. And what she what happens for her is that she spends a lot of time researching and getting all the data and all the facts and pulling that together um, and collecting it. And then as she shares in this post, she goes into her creative cave, which is months of writing, pure writing. And she closes the door and everything else fades away and she almost becomes tunnel visioned. And she hates it because it means that she's away from her family. She's away from the spending time with her kids and you know the listening to Ted Lasso or or a baseball game. Um, and so she doesn't wanna go do it, right? Cause she knows that when she's in her creative cave, everything else fades away for her and she becomes very focused. Um, But she also knows that the research for her takes years, but the writing will only take a couple of months. And so if she knows that and she has her boundaries, she's able to knock it out and it's brilliant. So again, somebody else's creative process based on what they know about themselves and how it works for them. So I would encourage you to explore, take some time to explore your creative process. Get curious about it. Because I don't think we, we know that about ourselves unless we actually take the time to get curious about how do I get creative? How do I function when I am in a highly creative state? So the next time that you are in a creative state, I want you to be curious about it and ask yourself, what am I feeling here? What am I actually doing? What are my preferences right now? Do I like to have music on or have it be quiet? What are the things that I need in order to get to that creative state? And then once you know that about yourself, it's so much easier to then know where your boundaries are and how to put yourself into that zone when you need to be. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions about this particular topic. Remember, you can use the Ask Me Anything button on the podcast page to share with me your ideas and what's bubbling to the surface for you. Just head over to artsintegration.com forward slash sparkchasers, and you'll find today's show notes, contact area, and links for more resources. And if you're enjoying the show and know somebody who could benefit from our discussions, please share the podcast with them. Because together, we can chase the spark of our ideas and make a brighter future for everyone. I'll see you soon. Well, check that off your list, my friend. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash sparkchasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show, and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.